0: All right, so we are here today with Emily, the Mommy Investor. Uh, she is a wife, mom, a full-time employee, and an investor, something I can completely relate to. She's passionate about helping moms and all parents uh, learn about investing to build their family generational wealth. So this talk's not only for moms, it's for all women, because anyone can build generational wealth. And today we're talking all about how to conquer the stock market and the power of do-it-yourself investing. So I'm super excited for that. So welcome, Emily.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a great talk and I'm, I'm glad to share some advice.
0: Awesome. So if I, let's start from the beginning. If I want to start investing in the stock market, but I've never done it before, uh, it can be very daunting. I remember the first time I invested, it was just like, I'm super confused. I don't really know. Where do I start?
1: Great question. Cause I was in that place myself. So um, just really quick uh, background. I've been investing for about fifth, more than 15 years now. I started in my early twenties and back then i had no idea what accounts existed so the first thing i did was learn about the different accounts um in canada we have a bunch of um tax they call tax advantage accounts so you need to take advantage of these if you're going to start investing the two big ones in canada being the rrsp and the tfsa account so you know learn about those what do they mean um so that you can be a do-it-yourself investor And and i'll give you a really good example of of this i Was talking to my uh my best friend, she was my maid of honor at my wedding. And she's like, Oh, I just, you know, I really want to take over just like doing investing for myself. So I said, sure. I said, Do you have a TFSC, TFSA and RSP set up? She's like, Yeah, of course I do. She's like, but I can't buy any stocks. Like I can't buy any ETFs. She's like, I've tried, but I can't. I said, Oh, that's weird. I'm like, who do you wish? She's with RBC, just like me. And I said, you're not with RBC Direct Investing, which is the brokerage side of RBC. She was just with RBC Bank. They had set up the RRSP and TFSA there. And so she couldn't invest herself. She had to go to an advisor. All she could buy was what the advisor recommended, which was a mutual fund. She couldn't do it herself. So she kind of had to break up with her advisor and then move those TFSAs and RRSP accounts over to the direct investing side side. Of the bank and every bank in Canada has an, a direct investing side, brokerage side. Um, RBC it's called RBC Direct Investing. I think TD is also called TD Direct Investing. Um, so there's the brokerage side of the banks, um, and so you need to have those accounts set up on that side if you want to uh, do be a, a do-it-yourself
0: investor. So what are some of the now that we've kind of gotten ourselves set up? What are some of the benefits of investing in the stock market? Like how does it actually work?
1: So the analogy. That- I like to use um, about the stock market is it's a lot like Facebook marketplace. Now bear with me through this as I walk you through how it's like Facebook marketplace. So stocks, companies can list their stock um, on an exchange and the way I like to compare the exchange and what stocks are, it's like, when you go onto Facebook marketplace, you're looking for something to buy. So for me, I think the other, uh, I bought a pair of skis for my daughter a couple months ago. And so uh, I went on to Facebook Marketplace, I you know, typed in skis, uh, offer, and the other person on the other hand, we kind of negotiated a little bit, and we came to a price that, well, we both agreed to, and I bought them. So when you think about stocks and investing, yeah. it's a lot like Facebook Marketplace, um, maybe just fancier, but not even. I wouldn't even say it's that much fancier. Um, companies list their stocks on a marketplace, so they have to list them on an exchange, and the exchange is like Facebook Marketplace. The exchange is just the... the the avenue that they can buy, that they offer their stocks for people to buy and sell. So you go onto the exchange and in Canada, the biggest exchange is the Toronto Stock Exchange. You go in there, you you find what company you're looking for. So you want to buy TD Bank. So you search for TD Bank, just like I searched for for the skis and you can see what the stock price is listed at. Now, the stock price is based on what other people are willing to sell their stock for because in order for you to buy it, someone has to sell it to you. So it's again... It's whatever the price someone's willing to sell it to you, just like the skis, like someone was willing to uh, uh sell it to me for 50 bucks. And I said, Okay, well law, law free 40, but we kind of landed in some of the middle for 45. So the the stock price is basically what the other folks on the other side are willing to sell you the stock for. So in T D Banks case, it's about a hundred bucks now. So someone's willing to sell you their share in TD for $100. Now, do you want to spend 100 bucks per share? Well, you can do some analysis on that or not. But you say, okay, yeah, I'm going to buy, you know, one share of TD Bank for $100 seems reasonable. So you put in your, your buy order and there you go. It goes through the system just like you would do on Facebook Marketplace. You you buy your, your skis or whatever you're looking for. And now you own the company and it's the, the share sits in your brokerage account. So again, the stock market is no different than any other you know, marketplace out there. It's a it's a marketplace for buying shares in a company. And if you just, if you take the Facebook marketplace example, it's really all there is to it. It's, just, it's the same idea and the same concept. Um, but over time, and this is history itself, the stock market, and that's the entire market, be it in Toronto, be it in New York, has gone up over time. Approximately about, I'm a conservative investor, I'd say about eight, seven or 8% a year. Some people would say 10%. I, I say about seven or eight. So if you buy a share in TD today, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, that stock is probably have gone up and I'm almost going to likely say it has. So the market over time as a whole goes up so the value of your shares and your money will increase with that. So that's the kind of the power of 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 investing is that it grows over time. And I'm talking a long period. I'm not talking about one day or one week or even one year. I'm talking 10, 20, 30, 40 years.
0: As far as like you talked about being available to invest by yourself or breaking up with your advisor, using an advisor, that sort of thing. So, can you talk about what exactly is a DIY investor and different ways to invest in the stock market?
1: DIY investing, and I'm I'm a do-it-yourself investor. Um, I would say there's there's two or three ways you can do this. So, you could have an advisor. You kind of give them their money. That's not really do-it-yourself because you're paying somebody else to invest your money for you. In in, in the whole realm of do-it-yourself investing, the two big ways. Of, of going about it are passively or actively. And I'll talk about actively first because it's the one that I, I don't necessarily recommend to I'd say 99% of the people. So active, active investing means you pick, you're pick you picking the companies, you're picking individual stocks to invest in. So you're picking the TDs or the RBCs or the Shopifys or the Facebooks of the world. You're picking those and you're building your own portfolio. That's That's active investing and you kind of have to stay on top of that. Um, passive investing, uh, which I recommend to pretty much everybody, is where you take advantage of, of products called ETFs or index funds. So ETFs are, um, they are essentially a group of stocks. So you're not just buying one stock. So I'll give you an example of an ETF that I own. It's called XFN and it's it's, it's um, put together by BlackRock, which is a big ETF company. And what it does is it takes all the large Canadian financial institutions, puts them together in one ETF, and I can buy that ETF, one share of that ETF, and own probably close to 50 to a 75 Canadian financial institutions. So I'm diversifying um, my portfolio by owning one share of that ETF. I own a little bit of TD. I own a little bit of RBC. I own a little bit of manual life. I can't remember all the other big ones, but all the Canadian financial institutions are, are bundled into that one ETF. And by owning that one share, I own a percentage of all those companies. Index funds work relatively the same way, whereas they just follow an index. So um, a good example of that is BlackRock also has an index fund. Um, It's called XUS. That follows the S&P 500. So that XUS ETF, it follows the index of the S&P 500. So it owns every share or every company within the S&P 500. You buy one share of XUS, you're gonna own a little piece of all 500 of those companies. So think about it. One share, you own 500. That that in itself is amazing because you're completely diversified. You own the entire S&P 500 index. So as that index increases over time, so will your portfolio and so will your investment.
0: What does ETF stand for?
1: Great question. I didn't even know what it stood for when I bought my first ETF. That was that XFN. It stands for Exchange Traded Fund. So it's essentially a fund of all the all various it, it can be various different funds there's so many different ETFs out there um, but it's a fund that groups companies all together into into one uh, fund for you to buy.
0: So is that like a mutual fund is it similar to a mutual fund?
1: It is similar to a mutual fund in that it is a group of stocks coming together um, into one fund but it's not like a mutual fund. Because a mutual fund can be active or passively managed, and then the fees will different um, differentiate accordingly. A mutual fund um, that is actively managed by a portfolio manage, uh, manager tends to be more expensive because someone's got to be there. You're paying for someone to manage that. ETFs tend not to be managed uh, by the company. They just they pick a bunch of stocks, and they sit in that ETF. And that's why they are always tend to be uh, a lot cheaper than the traditional mutual funds.
0: Okay, so if I'm trying to decide if DIY investing is for me, who is it a good fit for and who is it not a good fit for?
1: Do-it-yourself investing is I would say it's good for everybody. Like I really don't, I'm a strong believer in um everybody taking you know personal responsibility for their money and their investing and their and their future and learning, learning just a little bit enough to to get you to the point where you can you can be a do-it-yourself investor. And trust me, if I can learn it anyone can learn it. I was, I got a degree, undergrad degree in psychology. I had zero business experience and I kind of just threw, I I just kind of picked it up as I went along. So if I could do it, anybody can do it. Trust me. Um, I don't, I I didn't have a business degree at the time. So it's not some magic formula that I learned. Um, You have, one of the big tips I would say that you have to have over time is patience. Investing is not a get rich quick scheme. It's a a long term um, strategy to to build generational wealth. So you will hear or you might have seen on TikTok or other social media where people have seemingly got rich quick overnight. Uh, um, do it yourself investing where you're, where you're picking, where you're, you're investing in ETFs or in, index funds will not get you rich overnight or be, you know, build generational wealth overnight. You're looking at 20, 30, 40 years of time, but it's a guaranteed way of, of doing that. Um, for me, I'm a more conservative investor. Um, I like the, I like the predictability about it. Um, and so for me, index investing ETFs, I own quite a few of them in my portfolio, um, are are a great way that match my investing style. So I would say that if you if you don't feel like you can uh control your emotions with with the with the stock market, the stock market does go up and down on a daily basis. If you don't feel like if that's something you can ride out over 50 20 years, um then maybe having an advisor do, you know, do that for you so you don't have to pay attention is the, is is the best for you. But I'm a firm believer that Anyone can be a do-it-yourself investor. Um, you just have to have a lot of patience um, and and have the ability to just learn a little bit about investing. You don't need to know everything. You don't have to be Warren Buffett. You know, you just need to know a little bit, and you can you can build generational wealth for your family.
0: What are some mistakes that new investors make?
1: Oh goodness, where to start? Because I made a few. <laughs> um, I will I will I will run through. I'd say the top, um, couple of mistakes that I made. Um, so hopefully you don't make them yourself. And I, I see it fairly often, um, on, on social media when I interact with, uh, with, with folks on there, I'd say, uh, the first investing mistake I made, um, was investing in penny stocks. I kind of got caught up in the idea again of getting rich quick. And this was in my twenties, early twenties. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. You know, this company is only trading for, you know, 50 cents, but it could go to like $200 a share. I'm like, oh, this is great. I could make so much money. The investment went to zero. So I lost a bunch of money. Penny stocks, while they are intriguing and while you can get caught up in it, just don't go there. Stick with ETFs and index funds and stick with the predictability of generational wealth over the long term. Um, I learned that the hard way. Um, I didn't lose all my money. I lost enough that it, it stung. And um, I will never go back to that. Um, The other mistake uh, that I see fairly often is people investing in what they don't understand. Over the past two years, I'd say a lot of that is in uh, cryptocurrency. I personally, I I don't understand uh, crypto. I I understand like the, the basics of blockchain and the basics of it, but I just don't understand enough of it to put my money into it. It's not that I don't believe it. I just I don't understand the risk around cryptocurrency. It's too volatile for me. So I've made the personal decision to not invest in crypto. And I feel that people kind of get on the hype train with crypto, especially over the past two years, don't understand what they're investing in and then tend to lose their money. And so stick to what you know, stick to what um, is within your risk tolerance and your capabilities and and play within that field. I'm quite happy where I am not, not owning crypto. Um, it's my personal decision. Some people make a lot of money off it. Good for them. I'm, I'm okay with where I am right now.
0: Okay. So don't invest in crypto. Sometimes if you don't know what you're doing, that's fair. <laughs>
1: you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, go for it. If I I don't, and it's not within my risk, but it is within your (laughs)
0: viable means. So understand what you're investing in and stay away from penny stocks are two mistakes. If I'm not ready to take control of my portfolio, so I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm into this DIY investing. I'm just not quite there yet. I think that was me in the beginning. Uh, what other options do I have?
1: Um, a really good option that you could use is what's called a robo-advisor. So it gives you robo-advisors, um, and there's, there's a few in, in Canada. I think one is, I think Wealthsimple offers a robo-advisor. Um, there's another company called Just Wealth that's also a robo-advisor. Um, what these companies do is they, the first step is they fill out um, what's called a risk uh, tolerance questionnaire, and they talk about your investing goals. So you're if you're investing for your kids, you know, for their, for their, um, Education in their future—that's that's kind of one goal. Or if you're investing for your retirement, that's another goal. And they talk to you a little bit about you know your style, like you are you a risk taker versus you're more conservative. So they get a feel for you as a person. And then what they do is they put together a a portfolio for you um, based on your risk tolerance and your goals. And every month or every so often, you can you just keep investing into this portfolio. You pick one of them, and over time it'll just go up so they match your investing style uh your investing uh, preferences so it's a little bit like a mutual fund but it's not um because the portfolios that they have built are not managed they that's why they're called kind of robo they just they're on they're on autopilot and these portfolios are just um they just kind of sit there over time and then you contribute to them either on a monthly quarterly whatever whatever it is based so robo advisor is a Is a great way to get started, um, learn a little bit more about the stock market and how it works, learn a bit bit about portfolios, but have someone else kind of hold your hand along the way in that first little while. So it's a good option.
0: So looking at the stock market, there are a ton of stocks and it's pretty easy to get overcome with analysis paralysis. What do I pick? What is the best option? What are some tips you have for overcoming that analysis paralysis and choosing what to invest in?
1: Again, I would... If you're stuck, don't pick stocks if you're if you're going to get stuck in analysis paralysis, um, stick to ETFs um, and, and index funds. And um, in Canada, there are so many you can pick from um, the company that I, I tend to use a lot on the Canadian side and on the US side is, is BlackRock ETF. So you can go to their website BlackRock, I think it's .ca, and then you can just click on ETF. And if you want to invest in the Canadian stock market, they have some ETFs. If you want to invest in technology ETF or technology companies, they might have some ETFs for you there. So pick, pick a general sector, pick a general area to learn about um, and start with ETFs first.
0: But now you're saying there's lots of ETFs. So what if I go into the ETF kind of rabbit hole and there's still thousands to choose from?
1: It is true. I've been, I've been through the rabbit hole of, of ETFs, um, myself. Um, but what I tend always to gravitate back towards, or especially when I first started, uh, was large sector areas. So either the Canadian financials or the, the, the total Canadian market or the total U S market. Those are the three that I would say are, are good first, um, areas to look at and get familiar with. If If you want to start there, go there. I would say, don't, forget the rest of it for now, start there, learn that, get a feel for it. And then you can
0: move on. What is one piece of advice? So I'm kind of like, okay, I'm ready to start. I'm, I'm motivated after this talk. I got you know, I'm ready to go. What's one piece of advice you have someone who wants to start investing?
1: Buy your first stock. Like, like we talked a little bit about analysis paralysis. Um, I would say that Getting over the hump and actually purchasing your first stock is a big is a big step. And congratulations if you're doing it or you're going to do it because once you get over that hump and you actually realize how easy it is, um, you'll never look back. And my other piece of advice is once you have that, you've done that, you can try automating um, your investment. So if you want to stay in an index fund over 40 years, I would also recommend automating that so you're not um, so your money kind of automatically gets sent to your, your investment account and then automatically gets invested in that, um, every month. So you're kind of taking out, uh the legwork for yourself, but if you're looking to get started,
0: just do it. Don't hesitate.
1: Just go ahead and do it.
0: So buy your first stock or buy my first ETF. Which one should I be looking at buying first?
1: I would say, I would say buy your first ETF. That's how I started and how I felt most comfortable. I would say, go find your first ETF, be it, you know, Canadian financials or just a, a Canadian index ETF, um, X, XU, uh, X, U S is on the U S side. Um, those are some, some good ones.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Emily. This has been very informative as far as DIY investing. Now you've got something to share with us today.
1: Yeah. I, um, I have a, f- um, free kind of money hacks guide that I put together. So if you're looking to, you know, just start, um, conquering your money you're kind of getting your foot in the door of personal finance uh put together just a, a little guide on some some steps that i've taken um to kind of get myself familiar with personal finance familiar with investing kind of getting my my um my finances in order so that i can make my first investment um because there's sometimes there's a little bit of legwork to do um prior to making your first investment so um things like how to discuss finances with your spouse. There's, you know, some debt repayment um, uh, methods in there. Um, family budgeting is a, is a big one. So just some little things that you can do to kind of prep yourself and get ready for your first investment. It's called it's called uh,
0: Money Hacks. Awesome. And you can get that by pushing the button near this video. And I want to thank Emily again for her time. And we'll see you guys all in the next video.